1: Hi friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain Podcast. Today's episode was meant to be a special episode featuring David Poulter, talking all about how discs or why discs don't actually slip. However, due to his dodgy French Wi-Fi connections, we've had to postpone. So instead, you have Dave and myself just chatting. Today, we talk about some of the key highlights over the last 25 episodes and what tips and tricks that we personally have taken from these shows and found ourselves using regularly on a day-to-day basis with our own patients in clinic. So expect to learn about some of the exercises that we like to use regularly for chronic pain, why sciatica actually hurts so much and some of the strategies we use for fibromyalgia as well as touching on stoicism and some chatter about Dave's thumb. If you are enjoying these episodes please consider sharing them with a friend or leaving us a nice review on iTunes, we do read all of the reviews and it really means the world to us that you take the time to write them.
0: But for now sit back and enjoy the episode. Hello there, welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast today. I'm joined by the fantastic Rob Bevan. We are talking little nuggets and pearls and info that we take from these podcasts and we actually use ourselves when talking to our patients within our clinics on a day-to-day basis. Good evening, Rob.
1: Good evening, Dave. How are you doing?
0: Yeah I'm very well thank you mate. Um, now this is a bit of an ad hoc uh, session today guys because we had some technical difficulties um, so we, we've we both uh, flown into this and thought Look, let's talk about what we do day to day. How do we converse with our patients and what do we use um, uh, that we think really helps and really uh, is significant and allows them to understand stuff. So Rob um, you're going to take it away. We're talking about the fibromyalgia episode first aren't we? One of our first.
1: Yeah so one of our first and one of our most in-depth slash, you know, fascinating ep- episodes, you know, it's such a huge problem. And I think there's a few things I, I, I use regularly on the episode, but one thing I take away, and it's actually on Instagram, I snippeted the vid- video and, and popped it on there, was how many people are suffering with chronic pain in the UK and these kind of chronic widespread pain like fibromyalgia and ME. Mm-hmm. And that kind of brings us on a little bit onto long COVID, which I know that a lot of people will... Be familiar with or getting familiar with um is that you know dr um dr deepak who who was on who we were talking to was saying that there are six to seven million people in the uk suffering with chronic widespread pain and to put that in perspective that's more than all of the stroke and all of the diabetic patients put together in the uk that's incredible so that's a huge i mean that's 10 percent of the of the population you know, 7 million people. Have we ever got 70 million people in the UK? I think so. Something like that. Yeah, give or take. Give or take. Yeah, so 10%. So that's a huge amount of people that are suffering from these chronic widespread pain. And, you know, I think it's talking, it's not spoken about really. Um, you know, you ask people on the street what they know about fibromyalgia and people generally don't. You know, they might kind of think it's pain or you get some headaches or that type of thing, but some general things, but people don't know what it is. So I think that was a really important episode to kind of highlight for people how bad the problem actually is.
0: Mm. And often these are chronic and underlying disorders. They're not necessarily um, uh, seen disorders. You can't see them. You wouldn't notice perhaps if someone's walking down the street, but 10% of people are suffering from this and it's it's not visible uh, on the outside necessarily
1: no no exactly and then and also as you said it's underlying so people can have back pain or sciatica or you know rheumatoid arthritis you know the things we've spoken about and also have fibromyalgia as well so it can it can underpin a lot of a lot of other things and also make a lot of other pain conditions worse which you know i won't go into the neuroscience that was a uh, that was deepak's job when we spoke to him and he went into uh, <laughs> into a lot of detail about that but one thing i took away from that episode that i've used a lot with with patients is his framework for how he deals with chronic pain patients um, and these chronic widespread pain patients and his methodology or his kind of framework is uh, um, is it the acronym is that the word I'm looking for um, where it spells a word and each word makes a different thing I think yeah, I think it's an acronym um, acronym, yeah. acronym yeah and which is mindset so the word mindset and that spells out the M is for medication so getting your medication right the I is for intervention so that might mean surgery or injections The N is for the neuroscience, and that means kind of understanding pain and understanding how your body functions and how and obviously that can then help with your with your symptoms. Diet and then how diet plays such a huge role. Uh, Sleep. Sleep is so important in chronic pain recovery. Exercise or the E stands for exercise. So, you know, getting the right balance of exercise, what you can and can't do. Uh, and then the T is for therapies or other therapies so that might be something complementary they might be seeing a physio an osteo a chiro um, some acupuncture some massage whatever it might be so something else kind of another adjunct to your to your tools so that's his approach to kind of dealing with these chronic pain patients and something that I've now kind of incorporated and you know pulled from all of these facets to help people in the in these you know horrible situations really. Dave, and and you, so anything that you have found yourself this week, you know, taken from the podcast that may have changed the way you've practiced or, you know, something you've implemented into your practice since you've kind of, you know, spoken to some of our experts on the show?
0: Yeah, do you know what? Uh, This week I've been using... um, I've been talking a lot about the actual physical changes in the tissues that we see through the spine itself, Uh, whether this is the, uh, the nerve tissue, so the actual physical makeup of a nerve, or the muscles, ligaments, tendons, and general tissues that lie around an affected area, so an area that's injured when we've talked to um, actually quite a few people, they often refer to this as inflamed, angry, red, swollen tissue. I think when we've got pain in the back... Because we can't directly see it, we forget that these are tissues of the body. They react and they change in the same ways that an injured thumb or knee, elbow, a sprained ankle. Um, It's the same reaction, it's the same healing mechanism that happens. However, because we can't see it, because we can't wiggle it directly, I think often there's a bit of a mental disconnect between back pain and the rest of the structures in your body. So, for instance, when we were talking um, uh, to the uh, um, to the surgeon, uh, Rath uh, syndrome. Um he was describing when you 've actually uh, cut into someone when you 're there looking directly at an affected and irritated and angry nerve he said it 's red it 's swollen it 's bloody uh, it 's pissed off essentially, uh, and you can see the difference between that physical tissue and the actual makeup of that tissue comparative to the nerve on the other side, which looks like a nerve should um, the same as if you sp- uh, irritate another tissue in the in the body uh, although it's not the same mechanism you know if you sprain an ankle the area will become swollen uh, red angry it's the body's natural healing force and just like that area um, uh, it's affected in, the, in a similar way in the lower back as same as if you sprain one of the joints in the back or uh, tear or irritate any of the tissues around the spine And to get people to understand that that's the same process that's happening in the rest of the back, that that's the same healing process that then needs to occur, um, I think can really help.
1: Yeah, and I think that if you understand that, you know, that's a bit then brings us on to like what Tom Jessen was talking about with the sciatica. When, you know, why do some people have disc bulges and no pain? And why do people have pain and a disc bulge and and, and vice versa Mm -hmm. and all those kind of caveats? And a lot of people will have sciatica, they have an MRI and there's nothing on the spine. And then when you think of that nerve that's being irritated, and he spoke about that nerve, there's an element of inflammation around that nerve and it and it, can get, it gets pissed off, you know, it gets irritated. Um, you know, even once that kind of irritation has been removed, so even once that compression from, say, a disc You know, bulge or herniation has been removed that nerve learns to be annoyed and it learns to be hypersensitive and and it can be inflamed for quite a while until it really settles down again that doesn't mean it's damaged that doesn't mean it's you know broken it means it's it's healing Mm. as with any any of your other body part but it's extra sensitive at that time so it's a little bit more irritated and that can be a be a reason for some pain whether that's down the leg whether it's into the buttock whether it's into the foot whether it's into the low back um so you know these nerves do get get irritated um you know, and then that reminds me of the, the remember the story he told about the uh, exactly that why how they found out that nerves stay annoyed and stay um, and stay peed off even long oh, after. I love the, this story. Yeah, so for those who who aren't aware, this is an experiment they did. I think he said it was in the fifties. Have to go back to I think episode fifteen. Tom Jessen was talking about what is sciatica, and he was talking about how did they come to the conclusion that let me get this right that. Um, that some patients had, you know, a lot of pain or, you know, how did they, how did they know that the nerves were, were kind of a source of pain? And what they did was they went into, they operate on these patients who had, you know, confirmed sciatica and, you know, they knew that they had, you know, had a bit of a disc bulge or disc herniation. And they operate on these patients and they took out that disc bulge or they took out the disc or they had a, a discectomy or what is now a microdiscectomy. And then they, at the same time as they went in, they tied a little bit of string around the nerves. So one on the left side and one on the right side. So you have two nerves that come off the spine, one going down the right side, one going down the left left side. They terved, t- tied a bit of string around each side and then left that end, other end of the string protruding at the back. They then sewed them up and then let them go on, got on with their recovery. And then what they did was within a few days, these people were a lot better. They had no sciatica, no leg pain. They then... Grabbed hold of this bit of string. So this is where it gets a little bit unethical. They <laughs> probably couldn't do it nowadays. And they lightly <laughs> pulled the piece of string, both on the bad side and or the, you know, the bad side, which they did have the sautica on and on the good side. And what they found was that once they pulled on the good side, it might cause a little bit of local discomfort, but no kind of radiating pain. But Once they pulled on the bad side... It immediately reproduced that sciatica and that kind of shooting pain, or that patient's pain which they had had before the surgery. So they came to the conclusion that even once you've removed that kind of you know pressure on the nerve, that nerve learns to be annoyed and learns to be pissed off, and then even light irritation can cause you know radiating pain when it wouldn't necessar- necessarily happen to a to an otherwise healthy nerve.
0: I love it. Damaged, angry, hypersensitized tissue. Um, will produce pain even if the stimulus isn't that much now i uh, i was actually thinking of this today Rob. as i was driving around in my little van i squished my finger between two big breeze blocks today um i was uh uh loading some breeze blocks often uh, often onto a van i i squeezed my finger in between it and as i was driving as i was um uh, walking around and doing other jobs today all i could feel was this really really tender finger and every time that happens um cuz i'm a, i'm a bit um Uh, I'm not the best with my coordination every time I hit my finger or anything like that. um, I think of that story and I think this is not an abnormal pressure. I'm just pressing a button on the dashboard or I'm just using a pen. But this finger kills and you think, well, this is the same as structures in the lower back. It's hypersensitized. It's aggravated. Even these small pressures that aren't necessarily causing me trauma are still causing me pain because of it.
1: Yeah, and 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 if you understand that, then you can understand that Pain doesn't equal damage. So when you're pressing again on, you know, you've hurt your finger and you're pressing down on the button on the dashboard, it hurts like hell, you know, it, it's really mm. sore. But you're not doing any more damage to it. It's just sensitive, you know, and I use the, the sunburn analogy. We've spoken about this a lot, you know, once you're sunburned and you you're and you get into a hot shower, it hurts again. But you're not re-injuring it or damaging it further. It's just extra sensitive. And this is what happens to these nerves and these structures in the lower back. And as you quite rightly said earlier, people don't correlate you know, back pain with, you know, ankle pain or or kind of thumb pain. You know, granted there are a lot of, you know, kind of connotations and pre-perceived problems, you know, people, you know, stories of people having back pain for life where it's very rare that people have kind of ankle pain for life, you know. So people Mm. do have these kind of pre-built connotations around back pain. So that's, you know, I guess our society and media and culture is partly to blame for that. Um, And, you know, we think about Derek Griffin's episode, you know, the amount of factors that play into chronic pain is endless Uh, you know there's so much more to it than just tissue damage and tissue irritation
0: you see I'd say that um, I'd take it a step further I think Uh, Now, this might be because uh, I have notoriously weak ankles. You're learning about all my um, uh, ailments this week, listeners. Um, So I've had so many ankle sprains over the years. I wouldn't say that I've got a bad ankle. And I talk to a lot of people um, because I love an ankle. I love treating an ankle, creating that proprioception and building it back up again. But a lot of people who have had really bad ankle sprains earlier in life will then repeat and have a lot more sprains later on because they've lost some of that stability. But they probably wouldn't describe themselves as having a bad ankle. Because, yeah, I spray my ankle. I can see it. It's something that everyone does. You know, everyone's rolled an ankle at some point. If you wear stilettos as high as me, you're going to roll an ankle or two. <laughs> but because, for some reason, we think of that as different as the back. So if you've if you've um, uh, had an, an irritation of the back, it's not that it's weak or bad. It's just that that's a, um, uh, an injury that might repeat. If anything, you should be really good at it because you know how to deload, how to rest, and how to strengthen it again. And just like an ankle, you can work on your mobility, your stability, and the strength of those tissues just like the same in the low back work on your mobility mobility and your stability um and create the strongest back possible i've got great ankles now because i work really hard on keeping that stability so i don't fall over in front of my friends all the time i get laughed at um exactly the same sort of uh protocol should and could be used for the lower back but there's some sort of disconnect i don't know whether, whether it's because we can't see it because we can't uh like directly relate to it but with the back we think of that as a different entity again going back to my last point you know it's it's tissue it's it's muscle, ligament, and bone, just like any other bit.
1: Yeah, and then you know, using the ankle analogy, if you sprained your ankle, and you know what you do, you know, you people most think of twisting an ankle, they kind of you know roll the ankle, invert the ankle, as as we call it. You know, to to strengthen the ankle, you do similar movements again to kind of help the body improve on that movement so you wouldn't say never you know go for a run again you would then build up that running back up again and you would do exercises you know taking the ankle to its end point and moving it around and full range of motion to help strengthen it up again whereas often when people have an injury and they bend forward to pick up some sunglasses and their backs you know gone air quotes um mm-hmm. they they won't do that again and you know yeah, as years have gone by, you know, therapists have said to people, oh, you know, you mustn't bend down and you mustn't round your back. Well, actually, we, we should be doing the opposite, like Sam Spinelli was talking about. Then if we never bend the spine, what happens when we then do bend the spine to pick something up? We, you know, we're not used to doing it. You know, our threshold to bending is so small because we never do it. So we need to strengthen that flexion, strengthen that you know kind of tolerance um, so we can do this more often without having an injury, as with any other movement. You know, if you're not very good at squats, if you never squat. Is going to cause a problem when you squat, you know, so you have to do some squats to get better at it. You know, you have to flex the spine to get better at it. You have to learn how to move. So, you know, I think he said the same that people who are afraid of flexion, so people who don't round or bend from their back at all, are actually more likely to have an injury than those who don't think about it and move a bit more freer.
0: Now this is it. Now I always suggest it's best to train that movement and that strength and that flexibility in a controlled environment. Cuz you know that when it gets called up, it might not be a controlled environment. If you've been to IKEA, that is not a controlled environment. Trying to pick up a Jarkasflök a no. off of off of the bottom shelf and twist it onto a massive trolley, you need to be able to be a deadlift pro at that. You need to be able to squat and create some rotational stability. But we don't think about that. We grab a yoga and we pop it on top of your who, who's a who's a floop, um, who, who's a floop, and uh, who's a floop, um, and we expect to be able to do that. Oh, but I can't squat in the gym. Well, actually, a gym's a very controlled environment. It's somewhere where that. Um, you can gently and uh, under a fair amount of control, practice those movements because that's a human thing. We have to be able to pick things up and and squat and sit down and use the loo and go to Ikea and, you know, catch a bag of eggs that fall off the shelf, things like that. That's all very swift movement that you might not have control of. So when you've got control, why not use it? Too right.
1: Exactly. It's increasing your threshold, isn't it? You know, that's, you know, that window of opportunity, mm. you have to increase your tolerance, you know. And if you never do something, you're not going to be very tolerant at it.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree, Rob. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that become scared. And if you're listening to this and you've you're scared of uh, the gym, um, it doesn't have to be you know going in and lifting weights. We can start off with generalised movement and strengthen later. Um, if you're if you've been put off a strength program because you think you have a bad back. I can almost guarantee that actually, if we strengthen those structures up, your back would feel a hell of a lot better, and you'd feel a lot more human.
1: Yeah, and if if you're scared of moving, you know, one thing in a controlled environment is I use a lot with patients is getting them to try different movements, and you know. Uh, what happens if you do this and then ask them to do it and see kind of how how patients respond. You know, one thing is sitting into a slump position. That's a really, really, a thing that people are scared of and afraid of um, or just bending forward to pick something off the floor without kind of, you know, without doing a perfect squat, you know, bending and rounding the back and picking up something from the floor. So if you're listening and you're, you know, you are, extra careful every time you you know you do something often you you know you don't have that tolerance so you need to get a bit better at it so i suggest you know a lot of these people just sit down in slump position every so often and just try rounding your back when you're seated and then when you're standing just try arching forward or slumping forward and taking a big breath out and just trying to round and get some movement back into your spine and then see how that feels and obviously not pushing into pain and you know if in doubt get it checked out or you know do this with a with a trained medical professional but Movement is good. The spine wants to move, you know, if you're afraid of movement and, you know, then there's something going wrong somewhere.
0: And you know what? This is a, a theme that is repeated through pretty much every episode is and you're going to hear this again and again as we go forward as well when there is some sort of injury we rest we deload and then we create that movement again that's it we allow that movement to happen it's not a mistake that this is being repeated by all healthcare professionals whether they're uh chiros physios osteosurgeons specialists consultants uh personal trainers uh we rest we deload and then we create that tissue robustness that that stability and that movement again
1: Yeah, Greg Lehman puts it really nicely, you know, in, uh, excuse my French, he says, calm shit down, build shit back up again. And it's such a good way calm for shit all. Calm
0: down, build shit back up. That's fantastic. And that
1: sums up pretty much all of our philosophy, everything we've spoken about on almost every episode of the podcast and the way we treat our patients and the way that, you know, other people should be treating our patients. You know, whatever that looks like, it's about getting things to calm down, whether that's whether you're a massage therapist and that's just, you know, loosening things off and getting to relax a bit and then giving you some exercises afterwards or whether you're a personal trainer, you know, it's just calming stuff down and building it back up again. Exactly. And that's a really good analogy for life, I think, really. <laughs>
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. too <laughs> right. Um anything else that you've been using this week, Rob, uh to help out when you're talking to patients? Um
1: I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of what what I what I have used. Yeah, I use the I use the sciatica one quite a lot. Um the posture one, I think we spoke about with Sam Spinelli comes up a lot. Uh, it's a question we get asked a lot, which is, you know, kind of is there a perfect posture? And maybe we can chat about this one for a bit. Mm. Um perfect posture, perfect sitting position, you know easy answer is no, there is no such thing as perfect posture. We are designed, if you look at, you know, Dave and I are in video right now, we're constantly moving and fidgeting and sitting up and sitting down again and moving around. There is no perfect posture that you can sit in for hours on end. Um, you know, you're better off with a, you know, as I say to a lot of people, buy a five ninety nine chair from Argos, £5.99 chair from Argos that you get out of frequently than a £1,200, you know, Harman Carden perfectly ergonomically designed office chair. If you've got back pain and you're sitting all day, however expensive that chair is, you're still going to have back pain. Get up, move, stretch, load, bend, lift, everything else that you need to do to get out of that sitting, sitting position.
0: Absolutely, because as, as much as that chair may be ergonomic, as soon as you slouch in it, it's not ergonomic anymore. It's only ergonomic if you're fitted to it. And then after half an hour, if you've got back pain, you're going to have to get up anyway. Um, yeah, absolutely. There is no no correct uh or no definitive seated posture that we can give as a as a quick fix oh just do this this particular angle this particular degrees um that's a cookie cutter come one come all for everyone yeah unfortunately exactly otherwise we'd be making chairs
1: and and that, and that actually has no correlation with pain you know that's what he was saying that you know there is no you know whether you slouch whether you stand up tall, whether you sit in perfect posture you're ne- neither less or more likely to have back pain than anyone else um, so, you know, yeah. there, there is no correlation between poor posture and pain. And it's something which we used to do. I, I've given, I, you know, when I first graduated, we'd always be talking about posture and sit nice and tall and pull your shoulders back. When actually we know now that has very poor, very poor links with pain.
0: So movement is king.
1: Yeah, move, yeah. I think, uh, you know, David Poulter, who we've uh, got coming up on on, a, on an episode very very, very soon, says something on someone's twitter that after uh, all, all of the studies um muscles need movement bones need load uh di- discs need load yes you know, so i have got. need to look it up sorry i've messed that up completely <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> basically the body loves to move you know yeah and and then that's it so if in doubt move and if you're not with someone that's helping you move and helping you achieve your goals through movement then yeah, yeah i would suggest finding someone different fantastic anything else from you Dave anything else that you've uh, you know found yourself going over a lot or
0: frequently saying or tell you what um I would suggest that at the moment so we're we're in deepest darkest October at the moment folks if you are listening to this in many months time um and we're mid lockdown number two crisis uh, uh pending now one of the things we talked about with Nick Metcalf, now he was um, a, uh, a professional footballer, or rather he he was a chiropractor for a professional uh, Premier League football club. <laughs> he was talking about how they measured the strain the stress the the output of the players day by day and this all went into a large machine um, and an algorithm spat out whether they should lift more run less um, uh, eat more to keep them nice and constant what I'm trying to say is if they had had a really stressful couple of days if they've been running more on the pitch that will have all been logged and they'll lift less in the gym and have slightly more when it comes to their nutrition later Um, if they've had a a really stressful uh, you know I think you said, you know, if they've had a fight with the misses, they haven't slept well, um, and they've um, uh, done a really, really heavy weight session, they'll pull them out of training a little bit earlier so they don't then run too much and overstress their system. This is a really proactive way of looking at the, um, uh, the injury um, uh, possibility of real pro-athletes. However, we can use this when we're sort of reverse engineering why people get pain. Often that people will um you know patients through the clinic and again if you're listening you might be thinking this, pain they say that comes out of nowhere. I was doing really well but for some reason the pain I'm feeling has been worse this last week. I haven't done anything different. I haven't been back to the gym or didn't go cycling again or I didn't do whatever it was I thought um I created this pain last my my classic aggravating activity. What we forget is it's not just one activity that we have. We also have 23 and a half hours during the day that could be creating some aggravation. We forget that our body's general well-being will have an effect on pain. Our diet will have an effect on pain. Our mindset, whether we are stressed, whether we have had a really tough night's sleep, um, uh, whether you know the baby's been crying we've had a fight with the missus and then uh, we had a really long day at work that will have an effect on your pain it doesn't always have to be an acute or traumatic onset to give you pain um and i think that's something we forget often and, and so especially in this time of high stress it's uh rather cold outside and it's been raining for what feels like forever so people are possibly outside and act uh, active less so you know less walking less um uh less external activities um and so activity may have decreased stress may have increased And we're sitting inside more because it's cold Uh, so yeah that could be a cause for some increase in your pain or your perception of that pain Uh, and I think to to use that sort of reverse engineer it doesn't always have to be an injury doesn't always have to be a pull a strain uh, an acute pain these things can build up and your perception or the actual pain itself will increase and that's how I like to explain it. I like to use the uh, the premiership footballers as an example.
1: I think that's so true and it's something that people don't... You know, I don't either. You know, you don't think about it. You think, oh, what... And some people ask us every day, oh, why did this happen? You know, why now? What yeah. And it's... And I often say to people, don't, don't bother. Don't bother stressing yourself trying to worry because you only rack your brains. you'll spend hours trying to think about it when actually it's often the... Your pain started for such a, a smorgasbord of reasons, um, you know, a myriad of reasons that kind of kicked this off. And, you know, you bending over to pick something up was just the straw that broke the camel's back. It was just wrong time, wrong place. As you said, you you know, you had an argument, you were stressed, you had a bad day at work, you had a bad night's sleep, you're dehydrated, you ate three Mars bars for lunch and that was it. Um, you know, there are so many factors to it that it is so much more than just that one movement. So, yeah, it's a it's a really good takeaway and and something to it. not stress about.
0: I think so. And again, I think it comes down to not not seeing the not seeing the inflammation or seeing the pain. If you could see your knee gradually swelling up as you were exerting more stress and eating worse and drinking more and and exercising less, you'd think that's swelling up there. But because we can't see it, I think there's a disconnect. Um, Often people, uh, if they're very, very stressed and if they've not been sleeping well, they might get things like cold sores or acne. Um, uh, They might get ulcers inside their mouth. Now that's an outward external sign of an internal system that's under stress and strain. And they say, oh, well, I've got an ulcer. Yeah, I get them when I'm stressed. that's because your body's not able to keep up and uh, replenish and heal as quickly now that's exactly the same in with the lower back that's an internal signal of a system that's under stress but we can't see it and we don't often link it like that and actually in like you said earlier it's it's mainstream media and and um uh, society where it's not linked oh back pain equals stress and stress can equal back pain um whereas yeah if you get ulcers or cold sores oh you're probably under the weather you're probably stressed you need to get some more vegetables in you need to get outside and walk you need to increase your fluid intake simple things we give for a um uh, a diagnosis like that whereas for back pain we th- oh more mechanical did you lift something heavy and so if you haven't had anything traumatic, it, you can be at a bit of a loss end sometimes if you don't relate those two together.
1: Yeah, and then and then you end up in this vicious cycle, which, you know, as you've probably seen in our Facebook group, you know, people don't know why I've got back pain. People say, right post being like, you know, I've been down, I've had all of these tests, I've had everything X, Y, and Z, but no one can work out where the cause of the pain is. And it's because it's so multifactorial, mm-hmm. you know, often these cases. And, you know... Unfortunately, as surgeons, looking from a surgical perspective, there's nothing I can help you with because there's no surgical target doesn't mean you're making up the pain and doesn't mean the pain, you know, that you, your pain isn't real. You are in pain and your pain is very real. But just because there's no, you know, surgeon means says, says they can't help you doesn't mean that no one can help you. It just means that he can't help you right so, now. Um, you know, there's not a surgical target. Sometimes if a surgeon can't help you, that's often the best thing you want to hear. And then that means you can carry on with, you know, every other modality under the t- under the sun before you go under the knife.
0: And I think often people view surgery as the, the last resort, as it were. So if a surgeon says, I can't help you, they think, crikey, well, then no one must be able to help me. Because if a surgeon can't help me, there's no one after a surgeon it's actually often what the surgery, surgeon is saying or the consultant is saying is, well, you don't need surgery. That's not a, a physical need. There, there's other things that can be done. It's almost like you need to, you know, you know, it's not that you need something bigger than a surgeon. It's actually you need something far, far less than a surgeon, but perhaps two or three smaller things all, all broken down and, and all shared over.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that the other phrases which kind of fit in with that, when people say that you know, they failed physiotherapy or they failed seeing kind of, you know, chiropractic or whatever it might be, you know, they failed, that hasn't worked for them, is that's just such a small cog, you know, of uh, at one time in one place, just because you saw one chiropractor and you didn't get better instantly or one physiotherapist and, you know, those particular exercises didn't work for you, that doesn't mean that it is not going to work for you. It just means you have to try something different, whether that's a different approach, a different pair of hands, different set of eyes, different set of exercises, a different approach. Maybe that person tried to build you up too quickly before you calmed everything down again, whatever it might be, you know. So it's not, you know, just because one physiotherapist doesn't help you, that doesn't mean you are a failed person that no one is ever going to help you. So I think understanding that can actually help you get a bit better as well. You know, I think that's a really important takeaway. And, you know, we see it all the time in patients who come to us and say, you know, I don't think you can help me. And their, you know, mothers, brothers, fathers, wife, whatever has sent them in as a last resort. Forced them in. Forced me in. I've had back pain for 20 years. The surgeon couldn't help me. They wouldn't touch me, that type of thing. And they get better because you have a different approach. And, you know, that probably happens, you know, weekly, monthly to us, you know. So we see these. So this is why we talk so positively about this because it's so common. And that's not you and me being miracle workers. That's just us having a different approach. To 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 Mrs. Smith, the other physiotherapist down the road.
0: Absolutely, Uh, yeah, and that yeah, the surgeon surgeon couldn't help me. You think, well, fantastic, Uh, you know, if you can avoid back surgery at all costs, um, that'd be brilliant. Until you need it, Um, yeah. To look at that on a different way, even just that small change of oh, well, good, you didn't need back surgery. Oh, well, when you put it like that, you know, that's such a small switch that all of a sudden creates um, quite a different mindset.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, exactly, and and if you can get a control on those emotions, that can have a huge impact going forward as well. You know that positive spin. You know we talk about this. You know from my experience, the patients who are proactive in their recovery and they want to do things and they, oh, I really want to see how you can help me. Or, I really, I really think you can. You know that kind of positive approach. They always turn out better than the oh, you probably can't help me, type, uh, type of type of approach because you know. Often I find that people will not have the motivation to do their exercises, for example, because they don't want to or not have the motivation to kind of really you know, track their pain scores. Quite as well. You know, all the little things which you kind of want mm-hmm. that you know, kind of buy in when people are being very negative and being very you can't help me approach. I find them you know, it's a lot. Uh, it takes a lot longer to kind of get these people on side sometimes and, you know, and it takes them longer to get better.
0: Absolutely. So that, that positivity, that mindset is absolutely key.
1: Oh, yes, hugely, that positive mindset. It doesn't mean, you know, you have to make it up. But, you know, I think that, you know, having a little thinking about the positives and, you know, where you were to where you are can have a massive benefit. You know, looking at the, what do you want to achieve? What couldn't you achieve last week that you can achieve now and and in a month's time? Looking at those little wins, you know, knowing that this isn't going to be a quick process makes a massive difference.
0: Absolutely. Spot on, Robert. I mean, if you're, if you're at home listening... And you're in pain. You think, well, I don't feel very positive about my pain. You might have had it for years, months, decades. We're not asking you to be a cheerleader. I don't want you to walk in beaming saying, I feel, fan- I feel bloody horrible, Dave, but I'm really, really excited about it. <laughs> it's not that kind of positivity we're after, but it's understanding the journey. And like Rob said, uh, logging those small wins because often they go unnoticed. So they pass us by. So we think, oh, well, I haven't really changed. And this is when, uh, as a therapist, we'll often look at people and say, "Well, you walked up the stairs, okay? Or you know, you're not scuffing your feet anymore. You're not. Um, uh, y- you might not be running marathons, but certainly from you can roll over on the bed. You can stand up around yeah. the
1: chair, stand up at the chair, and walk into the treatment room. You know all these little things that we look for that mm. that you might not necessarily notice. You know, and I said turning over on the bench is, that is a big thing when you're examining someone. Have a line on your back. Have a roll over onto your tummy, roll over onto your side, whatever it might be. And you, something I always pay attention is, you know, can they roll over? Do they need assistance? Cause obviously, I'm always stood there, and you know very quickly when someone from week two goes, they just roll over without any help, and they want they they might have said yeah. they're no difference, and you can kind of <laughs> highlight those, you know, so there's little changes that we pay attention to, that you know, you know, start thinking about things which you know you can, yeah, there's little wins, start thinking about them and uh, and logging them and pay attention to them, and you might notice that actually there are a lot of little things which can really put a positive spin in your day that you hadn't even considered before.
0: Absolutely. Log your pain as it is now. Be realistic about it so that you can reassess yourself weekly look at those small wins, see how you're progressing forwards. That's positivity. That'll help you to uh, see how you're progressing rather than just thinking I'm in pain all the time. You're probably in less pain one day, more pain another day. By logging your pain regularly, you'll also be able to see what makes it better, what makes it worse. Um, uh, These are are small things that actually could help the understanding of your back. Because if you find three weeks in a row you do really well because you've done something different, guess what? Keep bloody doing that see if you can chase those small wins and improve yourself uh, by logging and paying more attention to your pain rather than just there's always pain now that's the kind of positivity that we uh, we would try to instill in patients that come and see us Um, and we try to instill in you guys listening at home as well Look, if any of you listen to anything or read anything by Jocko Willing, he's got a fantastic saying, which is real simple. Good. It's if something bad happens, good. I don't want you to blindly think, I'm in pain today, good. But think, I'm in pain today, good. I'm now able to re- uh, work back, look retrospectively and see if I did something yesterday that might have caused me some irritation today. Whether it be mechanical, whether it be uh, emotional stress, whether it be dietary and then I can decrease that and I can try and decrease that um, uh, or eliminate it completely. Good, I've learned something about my back today now that it's a bit irritated. What can I do next? What can I do to then improve it for the next day? Try and take those small wins. It will, uh, it will really, really help.
1: Brilliant, and I think that you know, as m- we've moved on to stoicism now, and that's my my favorite topic. And
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, crikey, if we if we get going on Jocko and stoicism, we'll uh, we'll be here all day. Um, uh, any more for any more up, or should we call that a day?
1: No, I, th- I think that calls it a day. But I think you know, Jocko Willink—that's a really good uh, a, a a really good podcast for people to listen to. Um, looking at mindset, <laughs> positive mindset, positive attitudes. Jocko Willink, and if you want to move into the stoicism, uh, you know, realm, then uh, anything by Ryan Holiday. The Obstacle is the Way is a very good book on a, on a lot of these principles about staying positive and how putting a positive spin on things can hugely impact your life.
0: Absolutely. The Daily Stoic is um, uh, my favourite for dipping a toe, uh, nice little bite-sized chunks into the stoicism world. Oh, we've gone on a right tangent there. We have on a really like av- little
1: bit of extreme ownership for your evening. I think because of this, I think we can invite Ryan Holiday on the podcast, who I think this is probably a, a way in to invite Ryan Holiday on the podcast. Yeah.
0: We finally made it, Robert. We finally made <laughs> if, it. If
1: anyone listening Fantastic. knows Ryan Holiday and would like to invite him on our podcast, um, we're, we're big fans, as you can probably tell. But uh, as I said, we've gone off onto a tangent, but uh, so excuse us
0: yes yeah, yeah. okay guys Well, uh, thank you so much for tuning in hopefully we've got some nuggets and pearls uh, reimagined for you there that you can use in your day to day life keep your questions coming in through the Facebook page or contact us directly on social media search for The Back Pain Podcast uh, we've been in contact with a lot of you recently and we've even been uh, adding some special episodes in in response to some of the questions that we've uh, been getting through uh, we're trying to get through to everyone so do send us messages or go Go check us out at the Sciatica and Back Pain Support Group UK. It's a fantastic group of people um, uh, sharing knowledge, advice, and um, uh, just a great community. Actually, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's it's growing quite quick. I think we had two hundred people join yesterday, so it's uh, that's incredible. I know it's uh, it's, it's growing fast. So uh, come and come and say hello,
0: Rob. Thank you so much for joining me, mate.
1: No worries, thank you, Dave. And uh, I hope it warms up in your house where it's currently. Is it 9, de- <laughs> nine degrees in your house right now?
0: Uh, nine degrees inside yeah balmy nine degrees Uh, for those of you watching online I'm in uh, a coat two jumpers and a woolly hat in my bedroom (laughs) fantastic the joys of building work fantastic lovely thank you so much for tuning in guys we'll catch you next session
1: take care have a great evening